Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so today we are continuing our message series called Book Club, and we spent this summer, uh, this whole summer so far, looking at ways some of our favorite books mirror God's truth. And for the first few weeks of this series, we took on some pretty challenging reading. Uh, We had sermons based on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, Moby Dick. Even the last time I was up here preaching, I got really nerdy about baseball, which uh, I appreciate all you for following that. Not everybody's into baseball, so if if you were part of that, uh, thank you for tolerating me. (laughs) But last Sunday, uh, Tony Tony Muratori gave an awesome message, and he used the tortoise and the hare, which is maybe one of the shortest stories ever. And you guys seemed cool with that. So I feel like that gave me permission to uh, take it a little easier this time, maybe a lot easier. Um, Today's author is probably the most famous and prolific children's author of our time. His name was Ted Geisel, uh, but we all know him better by his pen name, Dr. Seuss. We could spend forever talking about Dr. Seuss's legacy and impact on culture as both an author and an artist, but we don't have forever to do that this morning. So let's just say that he wrote and illustrated many classic books that have been read by children and adults for several generations now. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that we've all crossed paths with a Dr. Seuss book at some point in our lives. There's basically enough source material for an entire Dr. Seuss cinematic universe. Green Eggs and Ham, uh, Horton Hears a Who, The Grinch, The Cat in the Hat, The Return of the Cat in the Hat, The Cat in the Hat Infinity War. It's a long list. I'm not going to talk about any of those books I just mentioned. Instead, I'm going to be talking about Dr. Seuss's final published book, And it's titled, Oh, the Places You'll Go. If you graduated from high school or college semi-recently, you may have received one or several copies of this book as a gift. And for good reason. In the most Dr. Seuss way possible, it's a book about the excitement and adventures that lay ahead just over the horizon as we complete one series of life and move into a new one. It's a fun and inspiring way of saying, get a job, don't embarrass the family. No, that's only if you grew up in an Italian family. The The theme of all the places you'll go is to affirm that you are smart, talented, and capable. Now get out there and have an amazing life. It's a sweet sentiment. The issue I have with that is that its wisdom is often lost on the younger people that it's aimed for. You only start to understand how true this book is when you've got a few more years under your belt. And that makes sense when you consider that Dr. Seuss was 87 years old when he wrote it. So by that point, he had done, seen, and heard a lot in his lifetime. Oh, the places you'll go hits different when you read it as an adult. 
I would like to read a short section of this book if you'll allow me to get a little weird for a moment. Are you guys down for story time with Uncle Daniel? All right. All right. Good. Okay. All right. So, um, not starting from the beginning, picking it up kind of from the middle. Now, uh, these don't have numbered pages, but if you count, it's like pages 10 through 19. But here we go. Story time. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't. Because... Sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch and your gang will fly on and you'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump and the chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. That'll preach. <laughs> so that sounds, that definitely sounds a bit like my own life. Does that sound like your lives at all? Yeah, we've all had our lives interrupted by hang-ups, lurches, and slumps. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Sometimes we get to a fork in the road where we have to make a decision. We'll have to choose between doing the thing that feels good and doing the thing that's right. We can go in this direction or we can go in that direction. Usually, we try our best to choose the right thing. But because we are sinners, Sometimes we don't. And maybe you're here today precisely because you know you made a wrong turn and got yourself in a slump. If that's you, you came to the right place and you are in good company. Other times, though, other times we find ourselves stuck, lost, confused, or scared even though we did our best to do the right things along the way. Sometimes, even though we did everything right, we find ourselves in places we never intended or planned to go. Places we never would have chosen to go in a million years. Places that are dark, frightening, or heartbreaking. But there we are anyway. When we find ourselves in those places, we have a lot of questions for God. Lord, how did I end up here? This wasn't part of the plan. I don't like it here. What did I do wrong? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? The book of Acts takes place in the days weeks, and years following Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. 
It's the story of how the early church started and began spreading. And as time went on and this movement of the followers of Jesus of Nazareth grew all over Jerusalem, so did the persecution and the violence they faced. After a disciple named Stephen was killed by an angry mob who stoned him, many of the believers scattered and left town for their own safety. So here we have a bunch of folks who have dedicated their lives to following Jesus and loving their neighbors. But now it was too dangerous for them to stay in Jerusalem. They literally had to run for their lives. I try to imagine how demoralizing that might have been for them. Maybe they felt abandoned by God. Maybe they prayed prayers like the ones we just talked about. Maybe they started to wonder, what did we do wrong? They did everything right, only to end up stuck in a slump in strange cities far from home. These believers did not go on these excursions because they thought they might be fun trips. They weren't pursuing new job opportunities. These were brutal journeys which extended hundreds of miles away over both land and sea. They were merely doing whatever was necessary in order for them to survive. Where was God while all this was happening? Let's read and find out. This is the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses, starting it from verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. As bleak as the situation appeared, God was still working behind the scenes. As bad as things were, these believers continued to trust in him. They held on to their faith. They didn't allow their light to be dimmed completely. And because of their faithfulness, the Holy Spirit prepared the way for these exiles. Because that's what they were. They were exiles. He prepared the way for them to be part of something incredible. They would represent the first wave of those who preached the gospel in these new places. Not only to the Jewish people who lived there, but also to the Greeks and other non-Jewish people. Sometimes you'll end up in a place you never chose or imagined because somebody hurt you badly or because somebody abandoned you or because someone committed a serious injustice against you. And you only got to where you are by doing what you need to do in order to survive. Maybe that's where you are today. And if that is, that, if that is you, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I want to tell you that God sees you. 
and he has not abandoned you. Sometimes God's grace will mean providing you with an escape route, a means to get away from that which is harming you. But that's only the beginning of the journey. The journey continues when you realize it's time to grow and let God make changes in your life. When you start seeing that, you begin to understand how all those things you never expected, all those difficult circumstances, God has redeemed them and is now using them to grow your faith. That's what happened with the apostles. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 21. So before we read it, here's some context. Uh, this scene takes place after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, this is the morning that Jesus appeared to the, pot, the apostles on the beach while they were fishing. He, you know, he says, cast the net to the other side, and they bring, you know, pulled up a huge hole of fish. Um, so that's the, morning, the same morning we're talking about. So Jesus is on the beach. He's cooked breakfast for them all. And now Jesus and Peter are having a one-on-one conversation. And this is what Jesus tells Peter. Picking up from John chapter 21, this is verse 18. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So Jesus drops this bombshell on Peter. He tells him that his road ahead isn't going to lead to a relaxing retirement in Fort Lauderdale. And the first thing that Peter does is he looks for John, the apostle who wrote this gospel account. See, Peter and John had a little bit of a rivalry. They were constantly trying to one-up each other to prove their worthiness to be Jesus' main right-hand man. They, like many others, thought that Jesus would rule an earthly kingdom, like a military victor. And, as it usually goes, to the victor and the victor's closest associates go the spoils. But that wasn't part of God's plan. Pick it up again from verse 21. Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Referring to John. Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Spoiler alert, that's not how it turned out for John. Um, The point Jesus was making to Peter was that God had a plan for him, God had another plan for John. Jesus is saying to Peter, keep your eyes on me. Don't be concerned with somebody else's journey. In this sense, Jesus is talking about Peter's actual physical death. It is very unlikely that here in the United States, our lives will be on the line to that extent. There are countries in the world where that is the case right now as we speak. But following Jesus will require you to die to your old lives. That means we'll have to die to the things 
we used to rely on, the things we used to seek out for comfort or pleasure, will have to die to the way we think the world should work in exchange for how the kingdom of God works. We'll have to die to putting our own comfort and convenience first in exchange for loving our neighbors. We'll have to die to our expectations of how life should be. Following Jesus will cost you something. Daniel, you're making it sound like following Jesus is a bummer kind of life. Well, let me finish, and hopefully I can convince you otherwise. See, when we die to our old life, it's replaced by a new one. Your dreams and plans are exchanged for God's dreams and plans. And even though it's often difficult, the exchange is worth it. It's been really cool to speak to all of you over the last few weeks um, from the stage um, and the conversations that I've had with you over the last few months, whether in the lobby or in passing after services, um, have been really encouraging and supportive, and I totally appreciate it. And I'm grateful for the ability in, to be able to serve True North in this way. But people who know me the best, like my family and my closest friends, they'll tell you that this is not where I or they ever expected to be. I'm a pretty introverted person. I need a lot of alone time. Usually my favorite place to be is by myself because, what can I say, I'm a great hang. <laughs> my plan for my life was to do cool work, yes, but otherwise be pretty invisible and keep to myself. God had a different plan for me. A plan I don't think I would have said yes to if I had all the details in advance. I wasn't going to discover that plan unless I got out of my comfort zone. I didn't always feel like getting out of my comfort zone. I still have days and seasons like that. I still need to be pushed sometimes. But wherever I was going, I believed that God was doing something, and I needed to trust him. God has a plan for you as well, but trust is the key. It's difficult to follow someone you don't trust, right? I feel like we can agree on that. The only way, though, that we'll see the fullness of what God has in store for us is if we trust him. Trust that he's good. Trust that he cares for us no matter how much our circumstances may tempt us to think otherwise. How do we grow in trusting God? The simplest and foremost thing we can do to grow our trust in God is to practice gratitude. It's finding things to be grateful for every day, yes, but when it looks like the entire trajectory of our lives is on the line, we need something a little bit stronger. We need to look backward and reflect on the times where God did come through. It's looking at the past events of your life and saying, Lord, I didn't understand why that happened at the time. But I now see that you were still looking out for me. And you worked it out for my good and for your glory. Gratitude 
is a practice. We have to build monuments in our minds to those moments of God's tangible goodness. And we have to etch them into our minds and hearts permanently. So that the next time the ground begins to shake underneath us, we will be able to confidently recall them, confidently recall them, and trust in God in the midst of tumult and chaos. We build and accumulate those monuments to God so we can remember them and trust him the next time, and then the time after that, and then the time after that. And as we build these up, our foundations of trust are strengthened, and the places we go are going to become more and more fantastic and adventurous. God's grace will likely lead you in directions you never before imagined. And it's not always easy. And if you knew those directions, if you knew those destinations in advance, the odds are against that you would have actually ever volunteered for it. But when you learn to trust that God is good, that he'll never abandon you, that God has great plans in store for you, when you are able to trust in him for that, then oh, the places you'll go. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this wisdom to know that you are trustworthy um, and that no matter how much our circumstances may make us afraid that you've abandoned us, you have not abandoned us, Lord. You are right here with us and you are making a way for us. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to build monuments to you in our hearts and minds that we can remember those moments where you were trustworthy and faithful to us, that we can lean on and depend on when things do get difficult and chaotic and weird again. Lord, we pray uh, that you would help us to own that and be intentional about that as we go through and walk through our days and weeks ahead. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.